to see you tonight. You can tell when you're getting old when you have to use the rail, amen? Somebody told me, said, you can also tell you're getting old when you can sit in a rocking chair, but you can't make it go, amen? I'm just about there, I believe, or I heard about when widows and widowers look in their little black book, all the names begin with D.R., doctor. <laughs> uh, that's about the way it is. Uh, God bless you, Brother brother Warren and Miss Kim and Addie and Evan. Good to see y'all tonight, and everybody else too, but especially them. Uh, they're just dear friends, and thank the Lord for them, and he pastors Word of Truth Baptist Church in Floyd, Virginia. Amen. Good church. I've been there. They got enough nerve to invite me one time, but anyway, uh, they got a good church there, and they've driven about 50 minutes to get here, and I'm honored they're here, and uh, so I'm going to ask him to pray for me tonight, amen? Thank you, Mike, for starting out with prayer. That was good. I like that. I like prayer, and I've had a wonderful day today, and I hope you have, but there was something strange to happen today, and I was hoping somebody could tell me what it was. Uh, I saw something in the sky. It was kind of yellow and bright. Uh, it's something from the past, I know, but does anybody know what it was? The sun. <laughs> it was a blessing, amen? Now, we'll, we'll want some of this rain when we have a drought next time, I guarantee you that. Well, we said yesterday, I preached a brand new sermon yesterday and tried it out on you folks. Uh, rather than one I've had before. But anyway, you, you heard about the environmentalist preacher. He said, I'm an environmentalist preacher. I said, an environmentalist preacher? He said, yeah, I recycle other men's sermons. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to do that if I can help it. But anyway, um, I want you to turn in your Bibles tonight to the 12th chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, we said yesterday that we were on a journey. And I again commend you for setting aside time to seek the Lord as a corporate body of believers and to seek a, a touch of God on our lives and our church, our community. And really what we need is we really need revival. I was reading about revival today and it put a hunger in my heart for it. And I thought, Lord, I know we live in a different day, but you're the same and you don't change. And uh, I know that there's got to be some things that's got to happen with us if God's going to give us a revival. You say, well, it's too, such a dark time. Well, most of the time when revivals come, it's a dark time. Amen. <laughs> and the Lord does what we're unable to do. R.A. Torrey was one of the great revivalists of our generation, or in the last century or so. And uh, God used him. I know he was kind of under the shadow of D.L. Moody. But he was one of the great revivalists uh, that I've ever read after. And he gave three points. I was reading him today, and he said, if, 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 if this three things happen, he said, I've never seen it fail in all of my Christian life, you will have revival. And I thought, my goodness, I'm going to read about that, and I did. And he said, now if you implement all three of these, he said, I've never seen it fail. Number one. He said, let a few Christians, it need not be many, get thoroughly right with God Almighty. He said, now, if you can't do number one, you can forget two and three because they'll come to nothing. But get, you don't have to have a crowd. You don't have to have the majority. You just got to have a few Christians, he said, 
and not many to get thoroughly right with God. Second of all, those Christians must bind themselves together in prayer and seek God until the Lord opens heaven, as it were, and comes down. He said when that happens, they give themselves and put themselves at the disposal of God to be used by Him in any way He chooses for the winning of souls. He said this, in His lifetime, He had never seen that implemented that God didn't send revival. Now that's a pretty good challenge right there, amen? And uh, Isaiah 64, 1 says, O Lord, and this ought to be our prayer, O Lord, that Thou wouldest rend the heavens and come down. And I understand God's here, and I understand the Spirit of God lives in a believer, and I'm never without God in me, amen? I'm His temple. And, uh, but I'll tell you, just to see the Lord work and bring a great uh, sense of uh, His presence and, and conviction. Man, I've been praying today, Lord, give us an awe of conviction in the services. And you do the work because I'm unable to do it. I can preach, but I can't change anybody's heart. Nobody's. I can't change anybody's heart. Old Jeremiah 33, 3, old John Vernon, my good praying buddy who's with the Lord now, used to quote this a lot, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I almost preached tonight on the God we serve because I think one of the problems, and I may do that tomorrow night, I'm not sure, but I think one of the problems we have is that we don't know God well enough to know that He really can change things. And He can bless us, and He can send revival. And I fear that we've gotten to the place we think we can make it without it. I don't think that we can. It's certainly not the way God wants us to make it. Now, Brother Mike, again, thank you for opening that with that little session of prayer. Because I want to preach on what I believe is maybe, certainly one of the greatest, if not the greatest, one of the greatest needs of the average Christian and the, and the greatest need of the average Baptist church. And uh, I'm going to look at it, and when I announce the subject, you're going to say, well, I've heard that, I failed at that a lot, so there's no need to really take much atten- make, keep much attention on that because I've tried that and it didn't work, so, you know, you kind of give up. Listen, don't you let the devil beat you that easy, amen? You determine that there's a God in heaven. He knew, listen, He knew we were but dust. Listen, God remembers that we're but dust. We don't remember that sometimes, but God does. And God's a God of grace and mercy, and and He'll take us after all of our... You know, Jacob, how many times had that man failed? And God had even told him to go, and he started, and then he quit again. Then God told him to go back to Bethel again. And finally he went back, and I thank the Lord that God kept giving him a chance. Amen? Turning, you're already there. Acts chapter 12 is an interesting uh, chapter in the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. It's the story of the early church. Now, you want to read something about revival and a move of God, you don't even have to go find, go to a bookstore. Just open your Bible and read the book of Acts. You'll hear, you'll read about God's people. You'll, you'll read about God's power through His church, how they were making progress, reaching the world with the gospel of Christ. But you'll also read about persecution. And you'll also read about problems they had so you know they all come together you say well i don't believe i want the persecution of the problems but i will take the power and i will take this and i will take that it's not a cafeteria thing we go in and pick out what we want to eat amen 
God just gives us what He wants us to have. Amen? But the early church had learned something that most of us, including, and listen, I'm raising my hand, I'm joining you. Most of us have either never learned, or we've never really believed it, or we've never gotten a hold of it, and that is the lesson of prayer. And I know when you mention the word prayer, well, we do that, we've heard about that and all this. I'm convinced it's probably the missing ingredient in the average person's life and in the average church. And listen, you're among, you're among pretty good people when you say, well, preacher, I struggle with that in my life. I struggle with it. Charles Spurgeon, that great preacher from England who's been with the Lord many, many years, he made this statement. He said, probably the greatest struggle I have that I hate to face God at the judgment over was my prayer life. And they say that he was a praying man. He told somebody one time, not publicly because he wasn't boasting, he told somebody that he could never remember going, I, I may be wrong on the time, but I'm pretty close, I can never, he said, remember going 10 minutes that I didn't have thoughts of God and prayer to God. And I thought, man, some of us go days and days, you know, sometime. But may God help us tonight that God will change that. Amen? Now today we have truth. I have the Bible in front of me. Many of you brought your Bible. God bless you for doing it. Uh, we, have a, we have a nice, beautiful building that we're sitting in tonight. Uh, we know some truth. We have singing tonight. We have organization tonight. We have a new sound set. We have all these things, but it all comes to nothing if God, the Spirit of God, does not work and move in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, we need to invite Him by way of prayer to come and speak to our hearts tonight and revive our soul in our church tonight. Amen? So let's invite Him to come. And, and I hope that maybe you did that a while ago. Amen? Did you know if you study the book of Acts, you'll find in those 28 chapters that prayer is referred to and mentioned over 30 times. 30 times. The great day of Pentecost where 3,000 were saved. And I understand that was a special time that will never be repeated as far as the day of Pentecost, but you know, they, 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 they preceded that day in the 3,000 being saved by days and days of prayer where 120 people went up in an upper room and begged God to do something. And boy, did God do something. Amen. Well, listen, I want to give you an example in the Bible of how powerful prayer is. Same God, yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Look, if you would, in Acts 12, and I want to read an account of answered prayer. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Now there had been a great persecution that had broke out in Jerusalem uh, when, when Stephen was stoned and uh, Christians were scattered everywhere because of it for fear of their life. Well Herod was the king and he was a people pleaser and he would do anything to please the people that he was over. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. Now this particular thing was not a widespread persecution. This was, he was choosing certain ones to persecute. And he killed James, the brother of John. You've read about him in the Gospels. He killed him with the sword, cut his head off. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. If they liked 
me killing James, man, they'll love it when I put to death Simon Peter. And when it apprehended him, arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. Some say that's 16. 16 soldiers to guard that man, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now I want you to notice verse 5 is one of the great verses of the Bible. Peter therefore was kept in prison, a Roman prison, but prayer was made. He was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping. You're going to be killed the next morning, Peter. What are you doing sleeping? You're supposed to be biting your fingernails or doing something. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Heavenly Father, tonight I am very incapable of preaching a message like needs to be preached tonight. And that's why I ask the Spirit of God to help me, enable me, empower me, energize me, help me to be what these precious people who've come out on a Monday night need from the Word of God. Lord, please do something in my own heart tonight. I long for revival. I believe there are people in this auditorium that long for it as well. So help us tonight as we think about the great power of prayer. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I just have three or four simple points tonight. One is the predicament that the church found themselves in. The predicament, the trouble they found themselves in. He had already, Herod had already put to death James. Boy, the people loved that man. He was a good man, one of the disciples of the Lord. And, and old Herod, just out of his own benefit, took that man's life, had his head cut off. And I'm telling you, it stirred up the church, wouldn't it? What would happen? I mean, really, if we were living in a day where the door would break down back here and guards, armed guards would walk in and take your precious pastor, haul him off, and then announce that tomorrow morning he'd be dead. They're going to cut his head off. I'm telling you, get, it would get real then. It would really get real, and it ought to be real now. But anyway, so you have Simon Peter put in prison. Now the Jews were allowed to do some things themselves, but they couldn't put anybody to death without the permission of Rome. So here you have the power of Rome. What are you going to do? Power of Satan and power of Rome? And you got Peter, he's just sitting there waiting to be killed, waiting to be martyred, waiting to be put to death. You know, it looked hopeless, really. It looked hopeless for him. I mean, you got 16 soldiers guarding the man. I mean, what are you, you going to do? I mean, really, what would the church do? What can you do? Well, we'll get some picket signs is what we'll do. And we'll do like people are doing today in protesting. We'll march up and down in front of the prison and say, this is unjust. James never did anything wrong and you killed him. And Simon Peter, he hadn't done anything wrong and you're going to take his life. And Well, I guess, I guess the church could have done that. But you know what? They didn't do that. Well, let me ask you a question. When you're going through problems and trials, what are we supposed to do? I mean, our nation's going to hell in a handbasket, one old preacher said. Our nation's in a mess. Y'all kind of detect that just a tad? And I don't care what uh, political party you are of, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, tadpoles, frogs, I don't care what you are. If you think for a second that a Republican president or a Democratic president is going to save this country, you're wrong. 
Brother, our problem is not a stock market. Our problem is sin and immorality and wickedness and ungodliness that flies in the face of God Almighty. And the sad thing is we that claim to be Christians sometimes are part of that mess. Our nations, our families are breaking up. Did you know the statistics for Christian families getting divorced is not much different than the world's statistics? Did you realize there was a study done just a few short years ago, and I'm not talking about 30 or 40, I'm talking about 10 or less, and they, they went to people in their 20s, and they would only survey and interview people who had grew up in what they called an evangelical church. Now, we wouldn't agree with some of those people under that umbrella, but at least they claimed to believe the Bible, and they claimed to have a responsibility to share their faith in Jesus. So evangelical churches. And when they did this survey, and they surveyed, uh, I forgot, I know it was over a thousand, it may have been more than that, people in their 20s, they found out, and they all grew up, I don't mean they just visited once in a while, they grew up in evangelical churches. You know what they found out? They found out that 60% of every young person growing up in an evangelical church, 6 out of 10 of them, when they get in their 20s, will abandon not only your church, but church altogether. Now I'm telling you, we're in, we're in desperate times, but we're not very desperate. <laughs> Rather, we're in desperate times, and we better get desperate or we're in, we're in big trouble. Let me tell you something. Rome could shut a steel door over Simon Peter. But there was one door he could not shut. And that was the door that leads into the throne of God, the throne room of God Almighty, where we as God's people are invited to come boldly. Man, boldly, not arrogantly, realizing that we're there by the grace of God. And God said, I want you to come to me. Don't be timid about coming. Be bold about coming. I've got something for you. I'll help you. You'll find grace to help in times of need. Whatever you have, whatever you need, you call upon me. I was reading through into some chapters in the book of Psalms today. And I was thinking of this thing of prayer. And I had a choice. My little reading schedule, I can read some in Psalms, some in another New Testament. And I said, Lord, give me, the, give me the passage that has something to do with prayer. And man, when I turned to Psalm 116, it was the whole thing was about prayer. And I thought, Lord, God, help us to take you up on this weapon that you've given to us. This great privilege. That what we can't, listen, God can do what we can't do. And so here old Simon Peter, you, you ever felt hopeless about things? I don't know what I'm going to do with my grandchild. Man, my grandson, God bless him, his lifestyle, his, he's going astray. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to the boy. What am I going to do about this person, my good friends, and they're hooked on drugs, and their life is going spiraling down? What, what in the world can be done is such a hopeless thing? Well, not so. Not so. You know, the throne room of God is always open for the child of God. I remember reading a story about an old Scottish lady. She had a daughter that was pretty wild and wayward. This had been many years ago. And that daughter lived with her mama. Dad had already died. And she left, and she, had, she couldn't find her. She, she looked everywhere. She, went, she looked all through the town. She went to rescue missions, and she went everywhere because the daughter was drinking bad and all kind of stuff. Didn't have drugs back in that day. And uh, 
Anyway, so she started putting up pictures of the girl, and under it she said, please come home. Mama loves you. And she put it up all over town, went to the surrounding towns, and finally the girl hit bottom and saw one of those pictures and saw that little handwritten note under it from her mama. And she went back home. It was in Scotland where this happened at. And she went back home in the middle of the night. And she walked up to the house and lo and behold, she was fearful. Something must be wrong because the front door was open about six inches. It not only was not locked, it was open. And that girl thought, oh no, something's bad wrong. And she went running in the darkness of the house, hollering for her mama, flipped on the light, hugged her mama, are you okay, are you okay? She said, I'm fine. She said, oh honey, it's so good to see you. She said, you, I was scared because the door was open. She said, I hadn't locked that door nor closed it since the day you left. <laughs> Can I tell you that God's door is always open when we have needs and especially when we need Him in salvation. But even when we as God's people have great needs, that door is always open. So first of all, they were in a predicament. They were having a lot of trouble. <laughs> Y'all don't have any trouble, do you? i move to the next point then. They had all this trouble and it looked hopeless, but not only was they in a predicament, but prayer was made. I love verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Looked really bad. Really bad. Going to be killed the next morning. But prayer was made. Prayer was made without ceasing. By who? By the church. Unto God for Him. Now, if you look down in verse 12, we, we find out where they were at. Verse number 12. When he had considered the thing, in other words, uh, he's talking about where they were having prayer at, it was the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark's mother. That's where the church met, was in her house. Where what? Many, many were gathered together having donuts and coffee saying, what are we going to do about Simon Peter? Not so. The Bible said they were gathered together and what were they doing? Say it out loud, child of God. Praying. They were praying. So prayer was made. Can I give you four quick little things about this particular prayer? Number one, it was serious prayer. Brother, the word for prayer here, if you look it up, it means intense. It means they were serious. It's the kind of prayer that James talked about when he said, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Well, preacher, I pray, but nothing avails. <laughs> nothing ever happens when I pray. Have you ever wondered, maybe our heart's not right, or maybe we just half-hearted praying? Let me tell you, and, and I know in a public service you can't have a 20-minute prayer to start off with. You don't do that usually. You did good, preacher, so I'm not comparing with what you did. But in our nation, we have a national day of prayer. Amen? A national day of prayer. You said, wonderful, praise God. Well, I'm not against it. But you know what? It all, you know what for the last years it's urged people to do? Spend five minutes in prayer today on the National Day of Prayer. And I thought, five minutes on the National Day of Prayer for the nation and all of its ills and ailments and problems and wickedness. We're going to be urged to spend five minutes. We're sick, brother. Our churches are in bad shape. You know that? Well, I'd rather have them to have five minutes. I'm not sure God hears any of those five-minute prayers sometimes. But anyway, I guess he does. He'll hear a word of prayer. But anyway, 
I'm just saying the seriousness of the praying, I mean, they were praying. They didn't call, they didn't call the Humane Society. They didn't uh, call the shelter for battered prisoners. They didn't do any of these things. I tell you what they did. They just prayed and kept praying because they knew the only hope they had to see their problem eliminated and remedied was to God Almighty. He had to do it. And if he didn't do it, it would not be done. And, and, if, and if they got Peter the next day, they're going to pick him another one. Oh, Herod will. You watch him. He'll keep picking them until he picks them all off. So the prayer was serious. Look at the source of the prayer. The source of the prayer. Where did it come from? Well, I think they called Benny Hinn in on this one, didn't they? It was so serious. Or they called the TV station. I mean, well, who did they get? Who did they call here? Look at it. Verse 5. Prayer was made. Serious prayer. Without ceasing means they didn't give up. They didn't stop. It was persistent prayer. Have you ever gone to somebody's house and knocked on the door? They didn't come. You knocked on the door. They didn't come. You knocked on the door. You want to see, And they didn't come. And then you'd walk off and the time you got to the driveway, the door opened. You quit knocking too quick. Amen? So prayer was made without ceasing. Who was it made by? Not these charlatans on television. It was made by the church. I, the church corporate. The church was gathered together. I'd rather have God's people praying for me at the church than anybody I know of. Haven't you? Now, who, the source of prayer was, was, was the church. Many of them were gathered praying. What about the sovereign one of the prayer? Who were they praying to? Who were they praying to? They were praying unto God. They were praying unto the sovereign God who has all power. What was the subject of their prayer? They were specifically praying a specific prayer request. You know what I believe we... And listen, I'm raising my hand. I do it too. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty as dirt. We pray a prayer. Dear God, save all the lost and heal all the sick. Now, I'm not going to be critical if somebody prays that prayer. God bless them. I, at least they're trying to pray. Amen. But everybody ain't going to be saved. Everybody's not going to be healed. Or do nobody would die. Let me, let me tell you something. We got to get specific in our, what do we, you know? We can say, oh dear God, I hope you'll save everybody in the world. Well, if somebody gets saved next Sunday, everybody in the world didn't get saved. And we'll be disappointed because one got saved. But I'll guarantee you if Uncle Tom's a lost man and he's a drunkard, and I've been witnessing to him, but I got on my face, and I've been on my face for weeks and months, and I've been begging God to save Uncle Tom, and I've been witnessing to him, and on Sunday morning, guess who walks through the church doors? Old Uncle Tom does. He sits on the back row, and the preacher gets up and preaches the gospel, and old Uncle Tom comes down weeping and repenting and trusting Jesus as his Savior. Brother, that'll set a fire under your soul. Now I remember, and I, I don't recommend you do what I'm getting ready to tell you happened. But it happened, just like I'm telling it. I remember we, we started a men's prayer meeting on Saturday nights. And it's lasted now for, my goodness, it's lasted now for 40 some years. The time I was there, the 32 as a pastor, it went on and it's gone on since I've left. And I think they may have moved it from Saturday night to Saturday morning or something. But anyway, they're having that weekly prayer. I never, I never pushed people to come. I never made people, bless God, y'all didn't even come to prayer meeting on Saturday night. You men, you deacons, you what? I never did that because the only people I wanted there was the people who wanted to be there. I saw more happen at Calvary Baptist Church 
because of those prayer meetings than I believe it. I'm not trying to exaggerate for illustration. I saw more happen in answer to those prayers than I saw in any other way. I'll never forget, we were praying one night, and John Vernon, a couple of you folks know, Brother Warren would know him, and Brother uh, Pastor here would know him, know him. I'll never forget, we had been praying for a man who'd been coming to our church on and off. We Most Saturday nights, we'd pray for him. In fact, about every Saturday night. He'd been attending our church for one year. Nice old boy. In fact, I saw him just the other day. Nice old boy. His two daughters had got saved on our bus ministry. Then his wife comes. She was already saved and got right with God. So they were members of the church, but he wasn't. So he was coming to church every Sunday morning. By, I mean, better than most members. Amen. He didn't come Sunday night or Wednesday night. He'd come every Sunday morning. And we pray for him. And I'll never forget the Saturday night. We, had a, we, got, we always got in a circle. We always prayed one at a time. It's all right to pray everybody at a time. Pray the way you want to pray. Amen. But anyway, so John... My prayer warrior was the first one to pray. And John got to praying for Junior Martin. I'll never forget as long as I live what he said in his prayer. And, of course, I'm the theologian of the church, you know. I suppose make sure everything's doctrinally and going right, you know. So He prays a prayer, and he said, Dear God, Junior, we prayed for him about every Saturday night, and others have prayed for him, and he's been here a year hearing the Word, and he hadn't been saved. And that word, I'm afraid, Lord's going to start hardening his heart. He said, he started weeping, crying. He said, God, why does the devil have to have the victories? Why can't, why can't you have the victory? He said, dear God in heaven, I'm believing right now, tonight, that you're going to save him tomorrow. Tomorrow? That was Sunday, next day. You mean you're going to pick a Pacific day? He's definitely going to be saved. He was begging God and said, Lord, I know you can do it, and I'm praying not only that you will, but I believe you're going to. Well, there's about six of us in a circle. I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know if I could pray a prayer like that, telling you that tomorrow's the day and not next week, not next week. Well, the next old boy started praying. He got a weeping like a baby. Oh, God, I'm like John. I want to see him saved. I believe you're going to save him tomorrow. And it went around the whole circle. Every one of them, I'm believing you for tomorrow. And it was getting to me, and I'm thinking, I'm the pastor. Maybe I need to do my prayer, correct this stuff, or what I need. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't know if there's anything unbiblical about it. I just, you know, it's kind of strange. By the time it got to me, I was so broken up, I couldn't hardly pray. And I said, God, I'm ashamed of my lack of faith. I said, we've been praying. And you, you, you want him saved, no question about that. You're not willing that anybody perish. And I'm going to believe you're going to save him tomorrow. Now the next day, us six men, we, we were excited. I'm serious. I got up to preach and preach the gospel that morning. And I looked, and Junior Martin was there. And I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every Sunday, his, one of his girls would do this. Every Sunday. She'd reach over and pull on his coattail and ask him to go get saved. Did it for one year every Sunday. I watched it when they did it. That Sunday she did the same thing. Pulled his coattail, and he just stared at her. He didn't say no. And about, we were singing songs, singing invitations. At about that time, old Junior Martin stepped out and come down the side. He'd always told me if he ever got saved, he wanted me to lead him to the Lord. 
He come down the side, and one of our men went over there, one of our assistant pastors, and uh, was going to go. He said, mm -mm -mm, pointed at me, and I knew he'd come to be saved. And I told him, I said, you come up and leave the close out the service, and I'll go with Junior. And old Junior got saved that day. I'm not saying I recommend you praying that way. You better be led of God when you pray that way, I'll tell you that. But God, I'm telling you, God has great power and mercy. He's a God of great mercy and compassion. The subject to prayer. Be specific. Get a hold of some people. Get, you know, and I'm not against praying for gizzards and livers and, and sicknesses in our body because a pile of people prayed for me with my foot and I thank God for every prayer they've ever prayed. But there comes a time when we kind of lay some of those things aside just temporarily, just temporarily, and let's get burdened about revival. Let's get burdened about souls being saved. Let's get burdened. You know, I, I challenge you. Find the sorriest two or three men, and I don't know how you'd determine that because you might be picking some out of the church. But try to find the sorriest two or three men in town and go after them for God. Amen. Just say, well, this guy's this, and that man's that, and this family's this, and that family. Go after them for God. It's going to take a lot of what? Thoroughly getting right with God, banding together in prayer, and making yourself available to God. That's what uh, I believe it was Tory I just told you said. So we have the predicament they were in. They had a lot of trouble. We have the prayer. That's the travail. And then we have the power. And that come from God, the Trinity. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now, what happened when the church was praying? Look at it, verse 7, and then I'm going to get right down here and close out. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smoked Peter on. He had to give him an uppercut just to wake him up. Amen. How can you sleep? Peter's going to be killed. He giveth his beloved sleep. And he'd already told Peter long, long ago in the last chapter of, or next to the last or either the last chapter of John, you're going to be crucified like me. You know, you're going to live old age, and go, but you're going, here's how you're going to die. So I guess he figured he couldn't die with that time. But anyway, he smote him on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains, chains fell off from his hand. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee. In other words, get everything, because you're not coming back. Get all your belongings and come on with me. Follow me. And he went out and followed him, and he wist. The word wist means to know. And he knew not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but he thought he saw a vision. He didn't even believe it was happening. He said, I, I, I just can't believe this is happening. I must be having some kind of a dream or vision or something. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, in other words, the outer gate of the prison, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him, leaving him standing in the street late at night, because he'd already gone to bed, so it must have been late at night. And he's, he's, he's standing in the street by himself, and he's just been broke out of jail. And when Peter was come to himself and realized what was happening, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent His angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Man, God answered their prayer. 
Man, the people were on their face praying before God. And when he had considered the thing, what am I going to do? Now, if, you're, if you just broke out of jail, they're going to what? They're going to be looking for you. Amen? All points bulletin out for Simon Peter. Now, you're out at night. There's no street lights. But they may have some torches of some kind here and there so people could maybe move around in the, in the city. But anyway, needless, so he's, he's going through town. And guess what? There was rove, roaming free was packs of dogs in those days. So now he's out there and dogs are barking, calling attention to where he's at. He's probably ready to get in off the street. Amen? So what's he going to do? He knows God's people are praying for him. And he knows where the church meets because he'd been there many times. And so you know what he did? When he considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying, fervent prayer, serious praying right there. And what did Simon Peter do? He knocked at the door of the gate and a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. So here he is. Picture it now. Picture it in your mind. Use a little sanctified imagination. He's standing, and in those days, and they are still in the countries of the world now, they'll have their house with their door on it, but then they'll build a fence around it, and you have a gate you've got to get through to get to them. And that's the way it was with Mary's house. Had a big gate, had a, had a, had a gate. And so he's out there on the street, knocking on that in the middle of the night. Dogs are barking. I mean, a commotion's going on with those dogs barking. And you know what happens, I'll bet you? Little lights begin to pop on around that area. And little old ladies started pulling their Venetian blinds apart and peeking out to see what all the trouble was out there. Did all them dogs, what's all them dogs barking at? And old Simon's wanting to get off the street. Man, he's a jailbird. He's done broke out of jail. Well, what happens, preacher? Well, in that meeting was a young girl named Rhoda. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask somebody, if I can find her, I'm going to ask her how old she was at the time. I believe she was a junior high girl because she acted just like junior high girls do. Amen. And so there was a damsel, a young girl, that came and hearkened named Rhoda. So she went out there and she saw Simon Peter, they'd been praying for him, you know, standing at the gate. And when she knew Peter's voice, because it was pretty dark, Guess what she did? Boy, she opened the door and let him in off the street finally. No. She opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Ma'am, please don't leave. Please open the door. She went running in the house. Now, what were they doing in the house? They're praying. I don't know how they organized the prayer meeting. Maybe the men were back in one room praying. The women were in another room praying. Some of the teenagers. I don't know how they were praying. But I'll guarantee you, brother, they wasn't sipping coffee and eating donuts. I'm not against donuts, amen. I like a good Krispy Kreme once in a while. But anyway, they were serious. He's going to be killed the next morning. They were serious in prayer. I can see this little girl. She goes flying. She's so excited to see Simon that God's answered the prayer. She opens the door of her, the house, slings it open, and probably the doorknob goes right through the sheetrock. She swung it open so hard. Well, she's banging the door, and I can just picture it right now. Some dear old deacon in the church gets up off his knees and says, Shh, honey, you've got you to be quiet. Simon Peter's out there. I'm telling you, he's at the gate. Shh, honey. You know what they said about her? 
they thought she had gone crazy. I'm telling you. I'm going to just read it to you so you'll, you'll know it's true. Verse 15. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. Not like angry. Crazy. Honey, honey, you're crazy. You, you know, honey, I know there's a lot of pressure on us and, and old Herod's killing people and killing our preachers and, and no telling what he'll do to us one day and I know it's a lot of pressure on you and, and you're cracking up and you think Peter's out there. And she kept affirming the next verse said he was out there. Well, by that time, she busted the whole prayer meeting up by this time. You can't be doing what she's doing. Man, men started coming. What's, what's going on here? Rhoda, what are you doing here? You know this is a serious time. I bet her mother went in there and scolded her for breaking up the prayer meeting and said, Rhoda, this is serious. Simon's going to be killed in the morning and we've got to spend all the time we can in earnest prayer. What are you doing, honey, causing a ruckus here? She said, I'm telling you, Simon's at the gate. Well, we done messed up the prayer meeting. Might as well go out and see if he is. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 15. They said unto her, Thou art mad, and she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, Oh no, it's his angel. Now the Jewish people had a, had a, a, a legend or superstition or something that when a man or a woman Christian died, their angel hung around for several days. That they had an angel assigned to them. And that angel hung around. So what they thought, they've already killed him. He's dead. And that's his angel out there she's seen. Verse 16, what's Peter doing? <laughs> but Peter continued knocking. <laughs> I don't know why I see humor in that, but he's wanting off that street, amen. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they knew it was going to be Him because they believed and they had prayed all night and they were just trusting God and knew God would... I'm so glad God put this little phrase right here and there. I've thanked Him several times for it. When they saw Him, they're just like me and you. They were astonished that God had answered their prayer. You say, preacher, if you don't have great faith, God won't answer your prayer. Nobody in this building or outside this building has perfect faith. May God give us a little faith to believe Him. Amen? And so they were astonished. We, we can't believe it. It's you, Simon Peter. We've been praying for you days and all night tonight. He beckoning them with the hand to hold their peace and declared to them how the Lord, He gave God the glory, didn't He? Had brought Him out of the prison. And He said, go show these things to James and uh, to the brethren. And He departed and went into another place and so forth. And God answered their prayer. Delivering him from death, opening the, opening the jail. I mean, God did so many great and wonderful things in answer to prayer that did not have perfect faith behind it. So if you say, well, preacher, I just don't have all that it takes to put into my prayer life. Put what you can in it, amen? Why don't you give it a try and just see what God might see fit in mercy to do? I'm convinced that our churches are drying up all over this country. And I'm going to quit here in a minute. Drying up all over this country. And I believe one of the missing ingredients in our churches, revival meetings and everything else, is a lack of earnest prayer to God Almighty. What, what, what kind of river you need to cross, but you just can't get across it? What kind of mountain you need to climb that you just can't climb? What kind of prayer have you prayed that you need answering, but you can't answer it? 
what kind of troubles, what kind of trials in your own home, in your own family, and with your own grandchildren, and with your own health, and with everything else that's going on in our country and around the world. I tell you, I, 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 I talked about those men's prayer meetings. We had ladies who could pray. Most of my prayer warriors have died. I, I've, been on a, I've been on a hunt for some prayer warriors. I was in a church in uh, Hickory here a while back, several months ago, in fact, and there's an elderly lady there, and I just detected something special about her. And I don't know, I, I don't take long telling you this, but I was just talking to her, and I said, Miss Barbara, I said, could I ask you a couple of kind of, it's not real personal, but it is kind of personal. She said, at my age, you can ask me anything you want to. I said, Miss Barbara, I said, do you like to read your Bible? Oh, she said, the Word of God. She said, isn't it precious, preacher? I said, yes, it is. I like to hear that. And I, she said, oh, I love my Bible. I read it every day. And she wasn't a braggart now because I asked her point blank. And she said, I wish I'd kind of kept up with how much I'd read it over the years. But a few years ago, I started keeping up with it. And she said, I don't, I, I, I've read it about 18 times through since I started keeping up with it. And she said, I just love meditating in the Bible and what God says. I said, i got a sneaky suspicion you might like to pray. Oh, she said, prayer is one of the special times of my day. I said, that's wonderful, Miss Barbara. I said, could I ask you, ask you for a favor? She said, yeah. I said, a lot of my prayer warriors have died off. I said, I really need some prayer warriors. Would you be willing, and I've been there most of the week, you know, she got to know me a little bit. I said, would you be willing to be my prayer warrior? You would have think the President of the United States had asked her to be an ambassador to a foreign country to go do something special. Oh, preacher, I would be honored to be your prayer warrior. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you my information. I'll send you my prayer letter every time. I'll send you my schedule. So every day when you look at that, you'll see that I'm at Victory Way Baptist Church up in Hillsville, that you can pray for me every day while I'm there. She said, I would be honored to do that. Well, I lost her address. She gave it to me and I lost it. So I had to call her. I had her phone number, but I had to call her. This was like a week or so later. I said, Miss Barbara, this is Preacher Baker. Hey, Preacher Baker. Oh, praise God. She said, I just got off my knees praying for you a season of prayer. I said, God bless you. And I told her about it. I lost her. She gave it to me. And I thought to myself, you know, revivals have never come apart from prayer. All revivals are a child of prayer. And brother, without it, hey, listen, we can hang it up. I, I believe that with all of my heart. Now, I know God's a God of grace and mercy, and I understand that. But brother, I believe prayer is a missing thing. I've seen God do so many things. I've seen sinners in bondage that prayer got them released. God wants to save them anyway. But brother, when, when you pray, God will put pressure on them. God will cause incidents in their life to come about to get their attention. I remember, a, I had to be careful what I say because a couple of people here, I don't, he wouldn't, they wouldn't know this, this. I'll never forget a big tall guy come to our church one time, his wife and family. I'll never forget, he came several weeks. I'll never forget the Sunday. I know what I, I could tell you what I'm preaching. I was preaching on being a fool for Christ's sake out of Corinthians. He walked the aisle and he said, does anybody here know who I'm talking about? Warren, you don't yell. I know you do. And because uh, I don't ever tell something, somebody knows who I'm talking about like this. But anyway, he came forward and he was crying. Big, I was six foot five. 
He took me by the hand. He said, Preacher, I've been a fool for the devil's sake all my life. I'd like to become a fool for Christ. Hallelujah. He got saved. His wife comes, said she was already saved, played the piano in the church for years, and uh, they'd only been coming now for a few. Praise the Lord, they got saved. And I mean, they lived good, lived right, faithful, every service, unless he, his job called him out of town or something. I mean, they were faithful for several months, and then all of a sudden they got to drifting. Like we talked about, Jacob drifting and uh, yesterday. And I said, uh, I, I talked to him, I said, man, I said, God's been good. Yeah, I know it, preacher. I, I know I shouldn't be doing this, and I ought to be there. I don't know why, but anyway, drifted. Well, it wasn't long before he knocked on my door one morning. And I opened the door, and I said, called him by name. I said, hey, man, come on in. Well, as soon as he walked through the door, I'm in a six-foot-five man. He began to weep like a baby. And I said, man, what is wrong? I thought maybe his mom or daddy had died or something. What in the world is happening? He told me a sad story. He told me about his wife. He was in, he was in uh, law enforcement, so he knew how to bug phones and all this stuff. He had bugged his phone because he had some suspicion, and his wife was planning to leave him with another man. And he said, Preacher, the way the conversations have gone, and I've listened to numbers of them, they've not had a physical relationship at all. He said, but they're in a, an emotional relationship. And they're planning for her to leave with him. He's crying so hard he can't hardly tell me that. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know but one thing to do. I said, God's the only one can solve this. I don't know any. I can't solve it. You can't solve it. I said, God's going to have to do it. I said, would you be, after we prayed and wept together, I said, would you be willing to meet me every morning at 6 o'clock? And we're going to pray until God answers this prayer. And I'd use Hosea where the... Th uh, 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 a hedge of thorns and I said I, I don't know if this is exactly what that's saying but I believe God will honor it let's pray a hedge of thorns around her that either she will lose interest in him or he'll lose interest in her before it ever happens and we began to pray he'd meet me every morning I'd get there about 10 minutes to 6 and he'd be sitting in the parking lot he was serious he'd get on his knees and he'd weep he'd beg God he'd confess his own sin his wickedness how bad he had been, how he let his, he got saved, and then he drifted away and led his family away from the Lord. And I mean, he was weeping before God. And it don't always happen this way, but within two weeks, something happened. Knock on my door. I go to the door, open the door, and there's his wife. Now, she don't know that he knows anything about what's getting ready to happen. She sure don't know I know anything about it. And she comes in, and when she come in, she started bawling like a baby. She sit down. I said, I called her by name, and I said, "Well, here, sit down. What, what's what's wrong?" And she said, "Preacher, my heart ain't right." She said, "I told you when I joined the church, I was a member of such and such a church, and that was true. I played the piano since I was a teenage girl, and that was true." She said, "But the other part I told you was a lie. I've never been saved, and I've always known it." She said, my life is in a mess right now. And she said, preacher, I need to be saved. I never told her what I knew. I led her to Jesus Christ. Man, a brilliant, I just, just brightness of her face, the joy of the Lord in her heart. She never got any more calls. She never left with that man. And today, if I had, if she, they're not in our church now because later God called him to preach. 
They're one of the finest couples. If I had a couple I was going to marry and say, man, I need to put you with somebody to teach you how to have a good marriage, I wouldn't hesitate to put them with that couple because God changed their life and their direction like I've never seen. And he became, they became both of them some of the most wonderful Christians you've ever met in your life. And she today doesn't know I know. And today she doesn't know that her husband knows. And I'm telling you, they're serving God in a church in the eastern part of North Carolina, western part of North Carolina, and doing a good job at it, from what I understand. I'm just saying there's 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 people that need prayer. And if we don't and we need prayer, amen. Somebody said, pray, believe, and you'll receive. Pray, doubt, and do without. Amen. But I've seen so many. I'm just looking at my paper. I got so many illustrations, but I can't keep giving them. Prayer will open the windows of heaven. Prayer will bar the gates of hell. Prayer will bind the forces of evil. And prayer will open doors just like this jail cell for opportunities and for people in bondage. Homes, children, circumstances, all kinds of things. Stand in the balances. You know, we just need to kneel at Jesus' feet until our hearts are broken before God Almighty. We need to kneel at Jesus' feet till the fire of God is kindled in our bosom. We need to kneel at Jesus' feet till the winds of heaven blow over our soul and the tears flow down from our face and say, God, I'm not much and I can't even believe that you're going to even probably hear my prayers. But I believe it. I believe what you say. You're a God of mercy and a God of grace and I'm a Christian. I'm your child. And I'm going to ask you to put me in the school of prayer. And you know in that school of prayer, nobody's ever graduated from it. You know that? Holy Spirit says, y'all got real problems knowing how to pray, but I'll help you, Romans 8. I'll help you with that. And this school of prayer, they have one textbook, and that's the Bible. And there's only one teacher, and that's the Holy Spirit. And there's only one great example, and that's Jesus Christ. If we could just get into the school of prayer and realize how vital it is, and how God would answer a teenager's prayer, and do something great in behalf of that teenager, call upon me. I'll show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We don't order God around. We don't tell Him what He's got to do. You know, some of these people on television, you think God is their errand boy. Let me tell you, I'm a pauper. I'm, I'm bankrupt. But I've been saved. And I'm rich in Jesus. And I belong to Him. And he said, the door's open. I'm waiting on my children to come to me in the throne of God. And as I open the jail cells and the doors and save Peter's life in response to simple prayer, I can still do that, God says. But not many are calling. Not many are entering in. I'm going to close with one, one illustration. And I'm through. Promise. If we're thinking about time right now, we probably need more prayer than you imagine. I remember the pastor of Salem. Y'all wouldn't know this church, but it's a kind of a high, I don't mean a highfalutin church, but it's a, it's a pretty good size. It used to be a real big church in Winston-Salem. Old Dr. Charlie Stevens started that church, godly man. Grew to about a thousand people, but it's not that now. But uh, 
there was a pastor there a number of years ago while I was attending Bible college. His name was E.C. Sheehan. And old Dr. Sheehan, I'll ne- he was a godly man. You could go by, you could go by the church, and, and I knew where his office was. You could go by there. If you want to go by there at 5.30 in the morning, his light was on. He was there. If you want to go by there at 10, 11 o'clock at night, most of the time his light was on, he was still there. But he was just a godly man. I, I don't know how to explain it. And he told us preacher boys one time, he said, boys, don't ever give up on anybody and be tender to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Be tender. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I'll give you an illustration. He had prayed for his brother for 30 years to be saved. He was on a car, no, 20 years, 20 years, because he wasn't that old. He was a fairly young man himself, 30s or something. He'd gone to a revival meeting many years ago with an old Chevrolet car, and it poured down raining. He said it was so muddy, that old car, dirt roads. He said it about to slide off the road. But they went, they got the, they, he preached the revival meeting, him and another boy, and they were coming back home. And he said it was raining so hard he couldn't hardly see, and on that dirt road it was muddy as mud flying all over everywhere. He said, well, while we're driving, he said, you drive and I'll pray. He started praying for his brother. In a minute he told the man, he said, stop the car. He said, if we stop it, it might not get started spinning again. He said, God wants us to stop the car. He stopped the car. I'm not into spooky stuff, and he wasn't either. But we are into being sensitive to the Lord. Amen. And he stopped the car. He said, why are you stopping the car? He said, i got to get out and pray. He said, you can pray in the car. God can hear you just as good in here. He said, that's what I told the Lord. But he said, he wants me out in the mud. He said, man, I'm not getting out. He said, you don't have to. It's raining. Is it raining now? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Help me illustration a little bit. And you'd have to know, Dr. E.C. Sheehan was such a proper man. I mean, just the epitome of a gentleman. And a, you know, he said, I got out, preacher, boys. He said, I got down in the mud on my hands and knees, and I began to weep again and beg God. And he said, I don't know how long I stayed. It's not important, he said, whether it's a minute or 20 minutes. He said, but God give me such a peace in my heart that God save is going to save my brother. He said, I got all the mud I could get off of me, but I couldn't get it all off, and I got back in the car. He said, man, you done messed up your car here. He was driving his car. He said, that's all right, it'll clean up. He got home, went to bed, got up early the next morning to go see his mama, who was a godly woman who had prayed for that other son for so many years. He was going over there and said, God assured me, that I will call him Tom, that Tom's going to be saved. Pulled up in the yard and he started walking up to the yard and his mama was sitting in a chair, rocking chair on the porch. And she got up and had on one of these old, she old-fashioned lady with an apron, you know, wore it all the time. Said she got to waving that apron. She said, I know why you're here. I know why you're here. She said, why? He said, why? He said, you got, she said, you got good news. He said, Mama, I do have good news. God's going to save my brother. She said, no, he's not. I said, what do you mean he's not? I said, he saved him last night at the house. I said, he come over here last night about 8 o'clock weeping at my knees. And I led your brother to Jesus. Probably the same time he was in the mud on his knees begging God to save his brother. Now, I know everything's not that spectacular or that. I understand that. 
Normally it's not. I'm just saying, boy, if we get serious, I may be tender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God might ask us to do a few strange things, never anything sinful or wrong, not to prove ourselves to be somebody. But I'm just telling you, we gotta, we gotta get, we gotta get in this thing of prayer, or we're goners. I have, I have absolutely no hope for America apart from prayer and repentance. And if the church doesn't repent, we're gone. And if the church repents, you know what we'll do? We'll get back to believing prayer. And we'll see God do some wonderful things. Now, what do you need tonight in your life? And let me tell you, you don't just snap your finger and, you, well, I tell God what I want when I'm going to have it and all this stuff. Don't pray prayers like we did for Junior Martin. Don't, don't, I wouldn't even recommend it at all. I'm just telling you it happened. That's all I know what to tell you. God wants to do a work in our hearts. But you know what? We've got to be in a place to let Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for the attendance and for the attention of the people tonight. And Lord, I've, I've, I've preached this message not really like I'd planned, but I trust like you planned. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you'll let us take an illustration or a Bible example about Simon Peter in the local church. They were hopeless. They had no hope against the power of Rome except the power of God. And today we have, at our access, our disposal as it were, the Holy Spirit is living in us, the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And I pray, Lord, we're not into this spooky stuff or weird stuff and all of that, but we are into God and the Bible and prayer and the Holy Spirit's working. Father, do something in our hearts. Do something real tonight that we might decide tonight, I'm going to enroll. I'm going to enroll in the school of prayer. I may never be a good student. Nobody's ever graduated from it, Lord. But I may not be the greatest student, but I'm going to enroll and I'm going to begin to learn about prayer. Maybe I'm going to read the, the prayer life of Jesus. What a wonderful prayer life. Teach us, Lord, and help us. Save that soul in the building tonight. Jesus Christ died for their sins, was buried and rose again from the grave the third day, and they are hopeless without the gospel and without Jesus Christ. They might come tonight, and there are people who know the power of prayer would pray right now for that lost young person that will be bound for hell if they don't get saved. But tonight would be the night where the Spirit of God breaks their heart and they come and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. Oh, Lord God, work in people's lives tonight. Everybody's got problems because we're all living. Everybody's got problems, Lord. What are the problems? What are the difficulties? And Lord, we, we, we know you order our life. We don't try to tell you what to do or how to do it or when to do it. But God in heaven, help us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. If the ladies will come, already there. God bless you. Let's stand to our feet. What number, brother? What? 490? 490. If there's a need in your heart tonight, do absolutely nothing to please me or your pastor. Do everything to please your God, your God in heaven, your Lord Jesus. If God has spoken to your heart and you're like probably 99.9% .9 of the people in here, you struggle with your prayer life. Why don't you come and enroll tonight in your heart?
before God. God, I really want to learn a little something about prayer. In fact, I want to learn a lot about prayer. And I want you to teach me, Lord. You know, the disciples never asked him, Lord, teach us to preach. But they did say after hearing him pray, Lord, teach us to pray. Why don't you come tonight and ask God to be your teacher and teach you to pray? If you're not saved, you come on, Pastor. Somebody's going to be, you come, I'll come down with you. Sing it out. Just sing it.
revival. Let a few good Christians get thoroughly right with God. Let those Christians band together in prayer and just say, use me in any way you want. I don't know about you, but that's certainly the area I fell the most in, and I fell in a lot of areas in that area of prayer. I may as well agree with that tonight. Let's just enter the school. Listen, I don't have any, I'm, I couldn't stand up here and tell you I'm a great prayer warrior and teach you all these great things about prayer. Let's just go to school together and let the Holy Spirit teach us some of these things. Make it a priority again in our life. Who you have in your heart tonight that maybe in your family or friends, neighbors, I don't know, that you know aren't saved. You know how many times I've brought to you and shared my burden with Gary Breeden and Ricky Fox and my friends back home. Lord's given me another opportunity. I get to go home and preach a homecoming uh, at our home church here in a few weeks. And they've assured me, they've promised me they're coming this time. I don't know, maybe I just need to get hold of John Verdon's prayer and say, Lord, that's the day. <laughs> that's going to be the day. But I'm believing God for that. See, I think sometimes we get so caught up and worried about, oh, well, it's gonna, we got to pray in his will and all that. Listen, didn't the Bible say he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? <laughs> I, I don't think you can pray any more in the will of God than when you pray for somebody to be saved. So let's make that a priority party to pray for our families, party to pray for our church and for one another. Let's pray together tonight. Thank you for that message, brother. Father, we, we want to thank you again for just the challenge and the stirring from the word of God tonight, Lord. And thank you for this matter of prayer, and Lord, reminding us again how important it is, but Lord, how you answer prayer, Lord, we, we forget that. We sometimes can't see that's the idea of prayer, Lord. If we could figure it out, we wouldn't need you. But, Lord, we're needy people, and we do need you. Help us to focus and enter that school of prayer, Lord. Even when we feel inadequate, even when we feel like we don't have the right words to say, Lord, uh, prayer's just asking. That's you know, just asking, just having a talk with the Father who created us. Lord, help us to do that. Help us take advantage of this great and mighty privilege that we have to come boldly to the throne of grace at any time. Lord, I believe we'd